All right, so question, have you ever been bored? Yeah. No, don't say you're about to be bored right now, okay? So, so have you ever been bored? I mean, like, really, really bored, you know, just like bored. Well, there's a story about these two guys, and they were talking one day. And in the conversation, one of the guys said to the other guy, he said, you know what, you keep talking about this guy, Bubba Ray. And I don't know Bubba Ray, and I've never seen Bubba Ray. What does Bubba Ray look like? And so the other guy said, well, if you see two guys in town, and one of those guys looks completely and totally bored out of his mind, the other guy is Bubba Ray. Because he is so boring. I would say all of us have been in a situation where we've been bored with someone or something one time or another. But what about the color of boredom? If somebody said you got to give boredom a color, what color would you give boredom? Now, some people might just say gray. You know, gray is just kind of, you know, dull and blah. You know, it's just kind of there. But now in business attire, gray is, is pretty cool. If you, if you wear a gray suit or a gray dress, it, it has a little bit of punch, a little bit of purpose, a little bit of power, but, it, but it's not overbearing in its power. And also, if you're doing a presentation somewhere, it's been said that a, a pink tie is better than a red tie because a red tie makes you feel like maybe you're on a power trip, but if it's a pink tie, it puts everybody at ease a little bit and, and they're a little more calm and they might pay attention a little better. So... I might start wearing more pink, just in case it helps everybody pay attention just a little bit better. Now, some people say gray is a boring color. Some people just say it's white, that white is just a boring color. It's, it's just there. But every championship team usually has a white jersey or a white uniform, and a championship team is not boring. So white may not work, right? And the White House, I mean, the White House is not a boring place. And a white Christmas at the White House, well, that's not boring either. And also, it's not boring, white chocolate bacon bread pudding. That's a real recipe. I found it. White chocolate bacon bread, that does not sound boring at all to me, not in any way, shape, or form. Somebody cast their vote for boredom this way. No passion, no rage, just boring Beige. No freedom, just a cage, just a lifetime of beige. They thought beige was kind of a boring color. Another lady named Katie, she put it this way. She said, when all the rest of the colors get tired, they just all meet in the middle and become an ugly brown color that nobody likes. Now see, Katie had not heard what Clayton had to say about brown, right? Because brown is a great color that reminds us of the Messiah King, the Savior Jesus. A boring color, brown, beige, white, gray, maybe. But there is one person that has never, ever, ever been connected to a color of boredom. There is one person that not for a single second has ever had a word associated with them like dull or dreary or tiresome or humdrum. Matter of fact, their birth has been described with words like amazing, and astonishing and wonderful. So who is this amazing, non-boring person? Well, let's find out. Listen to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Now, 45 years ago, I know that makes me sound really ancient, but 45 years ago, 
maybe in the, the corner of the bulletin or the corner of the newsletter at my church, First Baptist North Augusta that I grew up in, it said something about me being born. And then my grandmothers were called, and I'm sure my sisters told somebody at school that they had a new little baby brother. But that's about it, you know. I don't have news crews that show up at my house on my birthday to interview me, you know. Now, the state newspaper does not run a big spread on me on the front of the page on, on my birthday. I have some super great friends who are pastors. None of them preach sermons about me the Sunday before my birthday. They just don't. But 600 years before Jesus was wrapped up in the manger, Isaiah kind of profoundly announced the birth of Jesus. He announced that, that Jesus was coming. He announced that Jesus was on the way. It was an amazing truth. It was an amazing truth. This is the rest of what he said. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. So this is like one baby that was born. And see, Jesus, though, he's different than my birth, right? Jesus gets a lot of attention. His birthday gets a lot of attention all year long, right? There's holiday plays and holiday productions. There's church musicals. There's live nativity scenes. There's specials on the History Channel. And sometime around September, every radio station loses its mind and quit playing normal music, and they start playing Christmas music, you know, music connected to this baby, Jesus. Jesus is not boring as a baby. Jesus was not a boring man either. And Jesus is definitely not a boring Savior. Why? Well, he's not boring because of this last part. The government will rest on his shoulders. What does that mean? Well, the old Christmas hymn goes like this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We sing that every Christmas. What in the world does it mean? Right? I mean, what does that mean? You know, we sing these. What does it mean? Well, you have the world in sin and error pining. What does it mean to pine? Well, to pine, it means to long for something, but to long for something with, with difficulty. It means there's this desperate yearning inside of you. You want something, and the reason you want it is because you're so tired and you're so weary, and you're so burdened, and you're so weighed down, and you actually feel like you're suffering. You feel frustrated. You feel some pain. Now, we've never experienced anything like that, have we? None of us ever struggle with those moments. But the song says the whole world was, was weighed down with sin, the sin that invaded the first garden, and, and it never gave up after that. But the whole world, it, it kept trying to make things better. The whole world, it, it kept trying to improve themselves and, and build up their self-esteem. The, the whole world, they were looking for their inner chi, and, and they were trying everything they could to just be better, but it didn't work. And so they said, well, we'll make some bigger governments. We'll make some better governments. And those didn't work. And they said, well, we'll go elect some young, hip, cool kings and queens and politicians, and that didn't work. And they said, well, we'll go elect some older, more mature kings and queens and politicians, and that didn't work. Sin just kept on sinning, and hate was still around, and war was still raged. Jealousy was still acting out, and pride was still punching away. The world was weighed down with sin. 
But aren't we glad the world got cleaned up for us, right? <laughs> aren't we glad that we don't have to deal with that? Now, the truth is the world is still weighed down with sin. The world is still, in some ways, pining away. But then something happened. When the world was weighed down with sin, something happened. And what happened? Well, y'all have been singing about it. Jesus was born. Jesus was born. Just the way that Isaiah had announced. Listen to the rest of the words of that hymn. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared. And the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Why would the world rejoice? Why would it be so weary? Well, because of the first time ever and the only time in the history of the world, there was finally going to be a pure, trustworthy, powerful, perfect king. That's the only time. Jesus is the king. He's true. He's pure. He's trustworthy. He's powerful. He's perfect. And you know what? That is not boring. But somebody might say, well, I don't know. If, if Jesus is so pure, if he's so perfect, then how come the world's still a mess? I thought he was supposed to be the, the king that was supposed to make everything right, but the world's still a mess. The world's still weighed down with sin. So, so what gives? Well, Jesus wasn't a loser king. He didn't fizzle out. It's just that his kingdom is completely different from the kingdoms of the kings of earth. I laughed this week. Somebody said something that I've never heard before related to the song that the kids sang just a little while ago, this, this beautiful song that Mark Lowry wrote about Mary, Did You Know? And, and the funny thing that I heard was this, and some of you have been saying it around here for years, well, yeah, <laughs> of course she knew, right? I mean, I mean, she had to know, right? An angel from heaven came to talk to Mary. That's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, the angel had this amazing message, very detailed message, about what was going to happen in her life. This is just part of the angel's message. Luke 1, 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This, this wasn't just a cute Christmas carol that the angel Gabriel was, was giving to Mary. See, Jesus was great, and he was the Son of the Most High before the world began. And Jesus was great, and he was the son of the Most High before the manger, and in the temple, and in the carpenter shop, and along the dusty roads. Jesus was great. He was the son of the Most High inside of the boat and outside of the boat. Jesus was great. He was the son of the Most High on the cross, and inside of the tomb, and outside of the tomb. And Jesus is great. And Jesus is the Son of the Most High God right now at the right hand of God. That is not boring. <laughs> that is not boring. But listen to the next thing the angel said to Mary. And his kingdom will have no end. No end. In our country, there's a tradition 
that when the outgoing president leaves on his final day, he, he gets a flyover in Marine One of, of Washington. Ken Duberstein was the chief of staff for President Ronald Reagan, and he described their final flyover like this. As we hovered over the White House, President Reagan looked down and then tamped tapped Nancy Reagan on her knee and said, look, dear, there's our little bungalow. And then he said this, it was at that moment that the tears began for Nancy, the president, and me. That was the end of the Reagan presidency. But you just feel the tenderness of that moment, right? But listen, that moment will never happen for Jesus. His presidency will never end. His kingdom has no end. That is not boring. That is amazing. And that is true. But what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with you? Well, this is what it has to do with us. Jeff Thomas writes this. Some people live on fear And some people seem to be constantly looking for something to be afraid of. That is not the Christian point of view. When men are frightened, they tend to act in haste. And when they act in haste, they can make big mistakes. Lose your head and you've lost the battle. Lose your heart and you've lost everything. The devil may roar, but he cannot win. What does that mean? The devil may roar, but he cannot win. Well, he goes on to tell us, It means that nothing can ever happen, however vast, however terrible, however dreadful, that can shake the rule of Mary's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If that kingdom is secure, then all is safe. All is safe in Jesus. That is not boring. There is no color of boredom that could ever be connected to Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the predicted, perfect promise who came true. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the King. And Jesus will never not be the King. His kingdom will never end. That is safe. That is secure. And all of the colors of the beauty of the gospel are found in Jesus.